You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the editor of Dunking with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan side of network. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Happy Monday, everybody. Happy Victory Monday. This is the post game podcast. The Timberwolves defeated the Detroit Pistons on Sunday afternoon, a matinee game. By 13 points, the final 118 to 105. We're going to break it all down on the show here today. Key takeaways as well as individual studs and duds. Uh, the Timberwolves have now won four straight. There's plenty to talk about. Uh, so we're going to get right to it here in just a moment. Uh, first, though, a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Of course, Lockdown Wolves is free and available everywhere. That includes YouTube now, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Plus the all-new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves and at B-Beacon. That's with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right, uh, so setting the stage for this one. Um, and here's what we'll do. We'll do what we always do on the postgame pod. If you're a new listener, that means we'll do kind of overall game flow and some initial takeaways, big picture stuff. And then I want to get a little bit more in depth on key takeaways for the middle part of the show. And then we'll close with individual performances and talk about the studs and duds, uh, usually three studs, one dud uh, from from Wolves Pistons. Um, setting the stage here, no Cade Cunningham for Detroit. Uh, obviously, that's a big deal. Otherwise, they're relatively healthy, and and um, we got to see a lot more Killian Hayes, which was which was a ton of fun uh, for somebody who really liked him in the pre-draft process and hasn't watched a lot of Pistons this year. Um, and then also, uh, Sadiq Bay had a really good game. He was another guy that was fun to watch, uh, or or fun to to I guess kind of look at his prospect profile coming into the draft last year in the the Anthony Edwards draft. So, no Cade Cunningham, uh, which obviously impacts what Detroit is able to do. A team that's already one of the league's worst offenses, the second worst team in the entire NBA. Uh, for Minnesota, though, relatively healthy. Josh Okoge was the only one, uh, the only member who's often been part of the regular rotation that did not play. D'Angelo Russell came back after a four-game absence with the shin contusion um, and was on the floor. And of course, uh, Patrick Beverly is back as well. Uh, and so we got to see a, a mostly fully strength Timberwolves team the the first time we've seen the preferred starting five together in a little while. So that was good to see as well. Of course, Minnesota had the last two days off. They last played Detroit on Thursday. The Pistons played on Friday. So they did have the one day off, but played once in between. Um, and Minnesota had two days off at home. This is just the one game homestand though. Then they had right back out on the road to the West Coast. Uh, so that's kind of the, the setup for this one. Um, this was a really sloppy game and oftentimes it feels like matinees are that way in general. And then you, you factor in the fact that you're playing the Pistons, one game homestand for Minnesota hadn't played in a couple of days. You have, you know, it just kind of the ingredients were there for it to be sloppy. And and really it ended up being a pretty good basketball game in the second half. The start was really slow. And, And again, that's to be expected in a matinee. Um, Minnesota's offense was was sloppy. The defense was slow. It was it was unenergetic. It was it was unenthusiastic. Detroit was basically the same way though, and so this was a relatively close game early because of that. Uh, second quarter was much better. The Timberwolves' second unit played great, and uh, the defensive intensity did not really pick up though, and and the Wolves were still down by two points at halftime. Um, 
but Detroit actually played really well overall in this game, all things considered. I mean, it's still the Pistons and, you know, they still shot, what, 42% from the field. Um, but for the most part, they the ball was moving. They only turned it over 10 times. The Timberwolves almost lost their streak of, of uh, consecutive games with double-digit opponent turnovers. But in general, the game really tightened up in the second half. There was some really impressive offense from both teams, some nice passing, uh, primarily D'Angelo Russell on the Wolf side. We saw Killian Hayes uh, and to a lesser extent, well, really Killian Hayes was kind of the guy to a lesser extent, Corey Joseph, but Killian Hayes passing the ball really well for the Pistons. And the second half was just a lot of fun up and down basketball. Um, you know, not a lot of outstanding defense, but the offense was, was pretty tight. It wasn't all that sloppy in the second half. Um, Carl Anthony Towns was fantastic throughout. I want to talk a lot more about him once we get to key takeaways. Uh, but early in the game, the issue for Minnesota was not only defensively, but they were missing easy shots in the paint. Uh, the Pistons rebounding the ball, be, rebounding the ball much better than Minnesota and actually making their shots at the rim while the Wolves were missing them. That was why the Pistons had a two-point lead at halftime. And it was still only a two-point lead. It's not like the this was the end of the world for, for the Timberwolves at halftime. But the paint play was not good. Um, and then as the game went on, the Timberwolves finally decided to match the physicality of the Pistons. And weirdly enough, well, maybe not so weird, but um, if, you, if you had never watched Patrick Beverly play, you would, might say, why is the 6'2 guard the one that's, that's uh, you know, making his team play more physical. But that's exactly what we saw. He coaxed a, uh, a technical out of Hamadou Diallo of the Pistons. He almost got another one. He had a hard foul that was not a flagrant in, on a fast break opportunity for Diallo. Um, it was just a, one of those Patrick Beverly games where he's in the ear of the officials the entire, I mean, it, it, it was vintage Patrick Beverly and it kind of gave the Wolves that edge. And at the time they built a multiple possession lead, they, they lost it and then had to build it back up. But it was almost kind of that tipping point uh, where the Timberwolves needed to see, and, and it was the third quarter, which is oftentimes where we've seen Minnesota lose ground throughout the season. And they've been a little bit better of late during this this burst over the past couple of weeks. Uh, you know, they've now won four straight. The third quarters have been a little better. Um, but it was an important stage in the game that Beverly kind of brought that edge and that physicality. And then the bench kind of exploded. We, we saw a really great uh, third quarter from the bench, Malik Beasley. Jordan McLaughlin was very good off the bench. I want to talk more about the rotation next segment and key takeaways as well. And uh, third quarter, we saw some great stretches from Jade McDaniels. He had a three-pointer, massive block on the other end with his left hand um, coming across the paint to get a, a left-handed block and then came right back down, hit another corner three, and really just kind of a, a tantalizing stretch from McDaniels showing A, what he can do now, and B, what he may be able to do in the future with some regularity if he can if he can continue to do this. Um, and down the stretch, I mean, Detroit kind of hung around. I mean, this was a, a double digit game, but it got down to just about two possessions. I think it was six, seven points midway through the fourth. So it was never truly garbage time, but the Timberwolves kind of held the Pistons at arm's length down the stretch. There was enough towns, enough clutch D'Lo. Uh, he, he was fouled on a three point attempt, made all three free throws, hit a tough floater on the right baseline, uh, down the stretch as well. Jaden McDaniels playing well, Anthony Edwards coming to life a little bit down the stretch to kind of, again, keep the Pistons really at arm's length. And make sure the Timberwolves came out of this one with a win, even though it was it was maybe not as convincing as you'd like it to be. Um, a quick big picture thought. This is one of those games where on the one hand, yeah, you'd like to be able to have garbage time against a team like the Pistons. You'd like to be able to put away a 12-win team by halftime instead of be trailing at halftime. And yes, the defense, I'm concerned about the defense. I, I said this uh, on the show the other day. I tweeted about it today I or, or the other day during the game. Um, I, I have some concern that the defense is sliding. I mean, we now, for the first time this year, the offensive rating is higher than the defensive rating. That was before this game. That's certainly going to be the case when the numbers come out on Monday. Um, and it's a little worrisome because 
are we going to flip right back to the no defense thing? At the same time, there are still these stretches where they can completely lock in. We saw that in the fourth quarter of this game. And so it's not pull the fire alarm worthy yet. I mean, it it won't be after playing the Kings twice this week either, but when the schedule gets a little bit tougher, are we going to see what happened against Phoenix last Friday? No defense at all. And a good team rolls over you. Uh, to a lesser extent, it happened in the Warriors game last Thursday. Um, or I guess now I'm going back two weeks before the winning streak a week and a half ago. Um, is that what we're going to see moving forward as they play better teams? I hope not, uh, but it's something to keep an eye on. Still, this was a game where the Timberwolves did not play their best. Anthony Edwards didn't have a good offensive game for the second consecutive timeout. He was not good against the Pistons last Thursday either. Um, you know, Towns had a very good game. Dilo was good. He wasn't super efficient, but he had a very good game overall. Um, it, you know, it wasn't their best game, yet they still won by double figures. The outcome wasn't really in doubt at all in the fourth quarter. And they still were able to to, to match the physicality of a lesser team that could really only win by, mu- by mucking up the game. And the Timberwolves matched it and they exceeded it and they did what they needed to do down the stretch to win. And, and I think that that's encouraging on some level. Um, so this game doesn't really tell me much, except for that the better team won. It's what we expected. And it just, it wasn't super pretty. It wasn't sexy. It wasn't exactly how the Wolves wanted to do it. But a win is a win, and there were certainly some good things to take away from this one. All right, I do want to talk key takeaways next, and they are mostly positive. So uh, let's get into that here in just a second. First, though, let's talk about our friends at Built Bar. This is the time of year that, for for the most part, we've all given up on pretty much all of our New Year's resolutions, but not this year for me. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually really, truly enjoy eating them. I just got another uh, shipment of Bilt Bars, ordered like another 60 Bilt Bars last week. Have you tried the Bilt Bar Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Bilt Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. Yummy, cinnamony churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie, so good. These are going to be your new favorite. All Bilt Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs included 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bars with these. Seriously, they are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories, but go to Bilt.com and scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away. High protein, low cal, high fiber, low carb. Most Bilt Bars contain 130 calories, just four grams of sugar and only four net carbs, and they have 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, usually around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month in February, white chocolate cookies and cream. They're all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. If they think a flavor might be good, they'll make it. It will be delicious, and it will be good for you. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, and then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how they do it, but they absolutely pull it off every single time. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Once again, a thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen. The NBA trade deadline is this coming Thursday, February 10th at 2 p.m. Central. That's 3 p.m. Eastern. The Lockdown NBA podcast will be covering it live from 1 to 3 p.m. That's 2 to 4 Eastern. Join Kim Becker, John Corrales, and Lockdown Fantasy Basketball host, the fantastic Josh Lloyd, to get analysis of every blockbuster move. Subscribe to Lockdown NBA YouTube and turn on your notifications so you know when they go live. All right, let's talk key takeaways from Wolves Pistons. So number one, Carl Anthony Towns, my goodness. He's playing really, really well. The numbers are not gaudy. They're not eye-popping. They're not necessarily 
what we saw from him, you know, two, three, four years ago when the Wolves were not a good team. Um, and, you know, there was some stat stuffing type stuff and also not just that, not, not suggesting he was doing that intentionally necessarily, but that there wasn't anybody good around him and the Timberwolves weren't winning games. Now look at what he's been doing lately. It's just consistency. The rebounding numbers have been down all season. He's now double digit rebounds in his last four games and nine or more rebounds in his last seven games. He's scored 20 or more points in his last six games, 17 or more points in every single game going all the way back to, you'd have to go back to uh, uh, late November for the last time that Carlton Towns did not score at least 17 points in a game. And it hasn't always felt like that because we're not getting these gaudy stat stuffing games from Carlton Towns anymore. We're just getting consistency. Three consecutive 20 and 10 games, a 30 and 10 game four games ago, 23 and nine the game before that. He's not turning it over as much. I know he had, he had what, five in, against the Pistons the other night, but but outside of that, he hasn't had four turnovers. You have to go all the way back to January 19th, the bad loss to the Hawks for the last time Towns had four more turnovers besides this game against the Pistons last Thursday. So one time in the last, what, nine games. The turnovers are coming down. The fouls are coming down as well. He hasn't fouled out of a game since that Hawks game now uh, three weeks ago. And the shooting percentages continue to climb. And this has been a good year. I mean, you look at the percentages and it's very much in line with what he's done for his career. The offensive numbers have come back up. You know, big picture, if somebody were to say to me, what's the year look like for Carl Anthony Towns? You know, it, it, give, me a, give me a quick elevator pitch on Carl Anthony Towns' season so far. I think the answer is he's playing a lot like he always has offensively. It's very, very similar. The difference is, at least in the last few weeks, the fouls are coming down, the off, the turnovers are coming down, the offensive fouls are coming down, I should say. He's been a little bit more judicious with his passing. He's not doing the crazy one-arm pass, you know, slinging a skip pass across the court necessarily anymore as much, at least. And then defensively, he's continued to improve incrementally. And we've seen that. We saw a mini jump last year. We saw another, at least a mini jump so far this season. So it's consistency, it's health also, and then it's improvement, minor improvements on offense, incremental improvement on defense, and then the team itself has improved around him. Carl Anthony Towns is still Carl Anthony Towns. It's not suddenly he's doing something different to make the Timberwolves win. He's still just a really good player, and he's maybe being a little bit more cautious with how he handles the ball and how he, uh, I guess, controls his body. We've seen we've seen the issues with him getting overzealous offensively a lot. We're seeing less of that lately. It's just consistency. It's 20 and 10 every night. Um, and of course, the triple-double just a few games ago against Utah about a week ago. Um, and... I don't. I mean, what else is there to say? I mean, he's an all-star again, and uh, and he still is the Timberwolves' best player. He's been phenomenal of late. Second thing for me is Anthony Edwards. This is a an interesting Anthony Edwards game. If you just you know glance at the box score, you see that he had 17 points, five assists, and you think, okay, a good Anthony Edwards game. Well, it's not that simple. He actually wasn't that good offensively in terms of scoring the ball. He was four of 12 shooting. Two of six outside the arc in this game. He did get to the free throw line nine times and he made seven of them, which is how he got his 17 points on 12 shots. But it was the other things he did. This was overall a pretty good Anthony Edwards game, but the box score doesn't tell the story. He had a number of hockey assists in this game where he was simply making the right pass. There was a drive late in the game. I think it was a right baseline drive. He kicked it to McLaughlin in the left slot and McLaughlin passed it in the corner. I think it was Jaden McDaniels. It's either McDaniels or Beasley. I think it was McDaniels. Knocked on a three-pointer. This is right when the Wolves were trying to re-extend their lead back to double digits. And Edwards easily could have forced up a shot, maybe could have even gotten fouled. But instead, he made the right pass to the open shooter in Jordan McLaughlin. McLaughlin swung it to the corner to the even more open shooter and better three-point shooter. And the Timberwolves came away with a three-pointer. That doesn't show up in the box score for Anthony Edwards. That's a hockey assist. He did the right thing. He made the right play. 
We're seeing that more and more from him. And he's going to have his chances to go bonkers. We know that. He's going to have the opportunity to go off several times this year, and he has. We're going to see that again soon. He almost had, by the way, he almost had a, a massive uh, a Watanabe dunk in this game. He almost threw one down. I forget who it was even now. But uh, we're going to see one of those again soon too, right? I mean, Ant continues to improve. And this is the sort of game where a casual fan sees the box score or maybe sees the highlights and doesn't see many Ant highlights. This was a good game for Anthony Edwards. He did the right things on offense. He seems to be completely happy with playing, you know, third banana in a game where Townsend and Russell both score in the 20s. Seems to be totally fine with it. This team genuinely seems to like each other. And Ant's going to have his opportunities to go nuts. Um, but this was an Im- impressive game in my eyes in terms of just a basketball IQ game, I guess, to, to put it in a weird way for Anthony Edwards. He, he made the right plays throughout. He was decent defensively. He had the five assists. By the way, zero turnovers in this game in 35 minutes for Anthony Edwards. A good all-around game. My last thing is about the rotation. This is kind of interesting. So the Timberwolves obviously came into this game. Chris Finch came into this game planning to play 11 players. Now with a healthy, you know, Josh Okogie would be the only guy who potentially would be a rotation player that is not healthy. And uh, with the return of, of uh, return of Patrick Beverly recently, the return of D'Angelo Russell, the team now can play. They they legit run 11 deep. Now, things got complicated in this game when Torian Prince rolled his ankle and ended up only playing two first half minutes, came out of the game, didn't return. Jalen Noel only played seven minutes, but that's because of, well, I'll get to that in a second. Nasreed also got hurt in the second half. No idea how serious, it didn't look great. I, I'm completely projecting this, but the way he landed, hoping it's, again, me talking, not a doctor, hoping it's a hyperextension, something like that. Um, but he was able to walk off the court under his own power. And, and who knows, maybe it's a few days, maybe it's a week or two. Um, so this 11-man rotation didn't look the way that it probably would have looked if those guys hadn't gotten hurt necessarily. Um, and it may not look the same on Tuesday in Sacramento because of some of these injuries. But the idea here was Chris Finch wanted to use 11 guys, which is not something that coaches typically will do, certainly not down the stretch of the season and leading into the playoffs. Jalen Noel only played seven minutes, uh, which was the least of anybody that, uh, except for Torian Prince, who played the two minutes. And Noel didn't get hurt. The The seven minutes were because Jordan McLaughlin played so well when he got his minutes in the first half. And Malik Beasley was playing really well. So McLaughlin earned the backup point guard minutes when neither Beverly or Russell were running the show. And Beasley earned the two guard minutes. There wasn't a spot for Jalen Noel. Now, he played well too. Don't get me wrong. Noel had four assists in seven minutes in the first half and no turnovers. Played really, really well. But when Beasley and McLaughlin are playing that well, I mean, somebody has to sit if you have an 11-man rotation. And that makes me feel like this is going to be the move moving forward is you play 11 guys, probably 11 guys in the first half, and then you feel it out. And Chris Finch has been doing this now for a while when completely healthy. For a while, it was Torian Prince and then it was Josh Okogie that were getting the short end of the stick. McLaughlin was out of the rotation entirely. Um, You've kind of had your core like eight or nine guys all season. And the last couple of spots have been Noel, it's been Prince, it's been Okogie. Those guys, for a while, it was Balmaro earlier this year get their opportunity to play. And then if they play well, they stick in the rotation and they get those second half minutes. If not, they don't play in the second half. I think that's what we're going to see here moving forward. Now, hopefully Prince and Nas Reed can get healthy. Obviously, if Nas is out, we're going to be looking at Nathan Knight minutes at the backup five. We could be looking at Jared Vanderbilt playing some five to up his minute total a little bit. Um, but the rotation is going to be fascinating. This I've been talking about this since August. This is a really deep roster. And I know there's been moments where guys have been overextended. Jared McLaughlin did not play well the first couple of months of the season, for instance. Torian Prince did not play well until the last couple of weeks. Now he's been crazy. Malik Beasley hasn't played well most of the season. But these are all bona fide NBA players that should be playing better than they were earlier this year. 
and the Wolves are sitting three games above 500. And we're still looking for some progression to the mean in terms of shooting percentages. Prince is finally there. Patrick Beverly is going to get better. D'Angelo Russell is going to progress a little bit to his career average. Um, Malik Beasley should continue to play better than he did. And we know that Jalen Noel can get it done. We know that Jordan McLaughlin can, in a pinch, you know, he can be a rotation caliber player. He's not going to be in, say, the playoff rotation most likely, but he can give you, give you 16 minutes on a Sunday afternoon against the Pistons in February and play well. This is a deep team. This is a genuinely deep team. And I want to talk a lot about trade deadline on Tuesday's show. I got a lot to say since I last talked about this on Friday. There's you know some rumors out there with Marcus Smart. There's some rumors out there with, there was the Robert Covington rumor before he was traded to the Clippers over the weekend. Um, there's, you know, of course, still Patrick Beverly rumors. I got a lot to talk about related to the deadline. That's a Tuesday show thing. But this is already a deep team. And unless it's a clear upgrade, I would be genuinely surprised if the Timberwolves made a big move or really a move at all before Thursday's trade deadline. Okay, let's close the show by talking individual studs and duds. We're going to do that here next. First, though, let's talk about our title sponsors from today's program. That, of course, is Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues the march through the playoffs. And, of course, the big game is upcoming this coming Sunday, six days away. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, plus live real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, let's talk individual studs and duds. This is pretty easy. There were three players that played really well for Minnesota. Um, and you could go a little deeper than that, but I'm going to pick three. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns, phenomenal game. 24 points, 12 rebounds, 11 of 18 shooting, an ultra-efficient game for him, which is weird because get this, he didn't shoot a single free throw in this game. Um, it, it was really weird. 24 points and 18 shots, two of three on three-pointers. So picked his spots there and obviously was effective. He, that means So he only shot three three-pointers. That means he attempted 15 two-point shots in this game and did not attempt a single free throw. You know how many mid-range shots he, he attempted? I think it was two. I believe two of the 15 were outside the paint. Everything else was in the post or in the paint. The man attempted 15 shots, a lot of times double covered, and didn't attempt a single free throw. Something's wrong with that. Chris Finch has talked about it. It just makes no sense. It's not like he's Shaq in the 90s when guys bounce off of him and, and officials swallow their whistles because they can't tell that he's getting fouled. I mean, Carlton Towns is getting fouled and he's not getting to the free throw line. And now he did last game. I think he had 10 attempts against the Pistons Thursday. So sure, it averages out, whatever. But you can't you can't tell me he played 38 minutes and attempted 15 two-pointers and, and was fouled zero times in a shot attempt. That's not, uh, that's not right. Um, but anyway, 24-12, two assists, one block for Cat in 38 minutes. A very good game for him. Uh, secondly, Malik Beasley off the bench, 20 points, nine rebounds for Malik. He had a double-double late in the game until apparently one was taken off of his uh, ledger on the box score, uh, the official stat uh, stats in-game. Um, so 20 and nine for him, seven to 15 shooting, five of nine on three-point attempts. He was aggressive. He had a couple of nice drives where he got to the basket and scored one. He threw down a really nice dunk that he uh, jumped from just outside the restricted area and threw it down. Uh, no Pistons stepped in to, uh, nobody was interested in being part of a poster. So it it isn't going to make many highlight shows, but it was a nice dunk. And uh, when Malik puts the ball on the floor and scores, and when he's making three-pointers, then the other parts of his game come along too. And that's where we saw the nine rebounds. 
The Timberwolves needed to rebound all five in this game because they were getting killed on the glass early against the Pistons. They ended up, the Timberwolves ended up a plus four on the glass. Malik Beasley was a big part of that. Weirdly enough, second on the team in rebounding for the game. Nine boards in 22 minutes for Malik Beasley. One assist, one steal, only one turnover. He was a game high plus 20 in 22 minutes. Arguably his best game of the season. And I'm not suggesting he's about to get 29 every every game. I'm not suggesting he's he's that this is necessarily what we're going to see moving forward. But 20 points and five made threes, that's pretty aligned with what we saw. I mean, what did he average? Before this season, he had played roughly 70 games in a Timberwolves uniform, or I guess it was less than that. It was 50, 60 games in a Timberwolves uniform. He averaged 19.9 points per game in a Timberwolves uniform before this season. So is he capable of scoring 20 points in a hurry? Absolutely he is. The nine rebounds is a bit of, a, of an aberration, but the other parts of his game come along if he's making threes because he's that much more active. Um, and it's part of the reason he's been so bad for much of the year is because he hasn't done anything else because he's been so focused on the volume shooting and, and you know still shooting a volume of threes, but not making them. Um, and now we're seeing kind of all parts of his game come alive. And we'll talk about this Tuesday. Does that make him more tradable? And therefore maybe he's traded or does it make the Timberwolves say, why rock the boat? We're playing well. He's playing well. Uh, look at, look at, our sixth man now, right? Uh, is is that the route that, that the Timberwolves ultimately go? The third stud of the game, I'm going to give it to D'Angelo Russell, but I'll talk about Jane McDaniels in a moment as well. D'Angelo Russell, 22 points, 7 of 18 shooting, so not ultra efficient, 3 of 7 outside the arc. He did get five free throw attempts and make all of them. But eight assists, five rebounds, only one turnover in 30 minutes. And again, a maestro of the offense for D'Angelo Russell in this game. He had multiple no-look bounce passes for backdoor cutters for dunks. He had a couple of just perfect pocket passes in pick and roll game, um, just on point passing the ball. This is the D'Angelo Russell that it was like Ohio State D'Angelo Russell, uh, practically the the no look passes, the one handed passes, um, but but not sloppy. And the shot selection was you know maybe a little shot happy uh, for him, but he also didn't play for the last week and a half. He was trying to get himself back in a rhythm and generally was very good. I mentioned this earlier, but had five big points down the stretch in the fourth to help push this back to a double digit, double digit, more comfortable lead for Minnesota and the final margin of 13. So a good game for D'Lo, a very, very good game in his return. Uh, he easily could have looked a lot rustier than he did in this one. Lastly, Jaden McDaniels, I talked about his great sec- sequence early in the fourth quarter, earlier in the show, but 13 points, four rebounds, three blocks for Jalen in 25 minutes, five of eight shooting, three of four on three-point attempts. This is the game that the 2021-22 Timberwolves need from Jaden McDaniels. 25 minutes, led the team in minutes off the bench, 13 points and eight shots, three made threes, four boards, three blocks. I mean, that's that's what the Timberwolves need. Can he do more than that? Yeah, he can, and he did when guys were out, uh, when the you know the health and safety protocol list was seven names long. But they don't need him to do that on a nightly basis when you've got Ant, Russell, Cat, Beasley, all these guys are going to score you, you know, somewhere between 16 and 26 points a game. You don't need Jaden McDaniels to do much more than knock down open threes, block shots, and be a terror on the defensive end of the floor. The ceiling is higher, yeah, but 20-year-old uh, Jaden McDaniels Second year in the league, 2022 version of Jaden McDaniels will take 13, four and three blocks every night of the week and twice on Sunday. He was fantastic in this game. Um, and uh, he's not getting traded on Thursday, folks. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, I've seen the rumors, the Marcus Smart stuff, the Celtics want McDaniels included in a trade. It's not happening. The Timberwolves are not trading Jaden McDaniels. We'll talk more about that on Tuesday's show. Um, there's no dud for this game for me. I, I just, you know, there isn't one. I mean, Jalen Noel played well in his seven minutes. Torian Prince got hurt. 
Nas Reed was pretty good until he got hurt. Jordan McLaughlin was very good. I mentioned him earlier, but um, four, four, and four. Four points, four rebounds, four assists in 16 minutes. Everyone played well. This is a quiet Jared Vanderbilt game, 26 minutes, only had two points, five boards, but he tweaked something early in the game. Hopefully, I mean, I know he's banged up already, but just across the board, a solid overall performance, lackadaisical team defense for the first really two and a half quarters, but generally a good performance. They beat a team they should have beaten, and now they head back out on the road. A couple more winnable games, two games in a row at Sacramento, Tuesday and Wednesday, late 9 p.m. Central tips on Tuesday, Wednesday. And then things get a little bit more difficult. They go at Bulls on Friday, at Pacers Sunday, before coming back home for a four-game homestand that's split in the middle by the All-Star break. So they've got, what, six total games here before the All-Star break for Minnesota, and Five of them, uh, excuse me, four of them are against teams under 500. So still an opportunity to extend this. Right now, the Wolves are three games above 500. And uh, we'll talk more about standings on Tuesday. But the quick snapshot is, I mean, sitting here at 28 and 25 in sole possession of the seven spot in the West. They're a game and a half ahead of the Clippers and only one game behind the Denver Nuggets for the sixth spot, the coveted sixth spot in the Western Conference. So Fantastic win for the Wolves. Four wins in a row. Two more winnable games in a row this week uh, consecutively in Sacramento. On Tuesday's show, we're going to talk trade deadline. Uh, obviously, post-game pod Tuesday night. And uh, Wednesday, uh, we're going to squeeze in some trade talk in there as well. And obviously, if anything happens, we'll do uh, an emergency Lockdown Now video, an emergency podcast as soon as possible, um, all that stuff. At this moment here, sitting here Sunday night, I think it's unlikely the Timberwolves make a trade. But we'll, of course, keep an eye on that. All right, that's all we have for you today here on the show. Thanks once again for listening to Locked On Wolves. Of course, the podcast is free and available everywhere. Um, thank you for making Locked On Wolves your first listen each and every day. You can watch on YouTube. You can listen on Apple, Google, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked On T Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right, that's all we have for today. Thanks again for listening to Lockdown Wolves. Of course, it's part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. And uh, a thank you again for making us your first listen. And a reminder about Lockdown Bets. As long as you're making Lockdown Wolves your first listen, you can make Lockdown Bets your second. It's your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves Podcast. And we'll catch you next time.